T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This week, Mayor Lori Lightfoot will deliver a speech outlining the state of the city and highlighting her plans for her first budget. She's inheriting a staggering budget shortfall, some unattractive options, and very high expectations. And state government has some major challenges ahead, too. Sounds like the perfect time to talk with one of Chicago's most respected budget watchdogs. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is no stranger to this program and certainly not to the radio station. He's Lawrence Massal, president of the 125-year-old Civic Federation. It's an independent, nonpartisan research group that's grown to specialize in government finances. When the Chicago City Council holds its first budget hearing of the new administration in the coming months, he's likely to be the first witness who is not a government official. He has been one of those before, too, though. Uh, But his budget analysis has always been trusted, if not always heeded. And you will hear and read his words a lot in the coming weeks. Lawrence, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, We should start at the bottom line. The city's budget shortfall, according to some estimates, could approach a billion dollars. First, is that a realistic picture? And second, what does that mean in real world terms? Unfortunately, it is a a realistic projection that um, Mayor Lightfoot's team has started to um, talk about. Former Mayor Emanuel had identified his outgoing chief financial officer about $700 million as a shortfall. But when some of the new expenditure pressures and some of the realizations of what remains to be done for the new administration, a billion dollars is actually the number that they're looking at, and it could grow to more. One of the things that was not known when those numbers were first socialized is what Springfield would be doing. The Illinois legislature was still in session. The governor had yet to pass his first budget. And now we are sort of getting information as to what the state of Illinois' decision for thing, everything from marijuana legalization to potentially a casino for Chicago to how they will cut up the share if they get a graduated income tax passed next November with the local governments. But now when people hear a budget shortfall, obviously it sounds very bad, and, and it is, but what does it mean, you know, in terms of what the product is going to be? What it means is right now the city basically spends about $8.9 billion on all of its operations from all of its funds, and that would include the enterprise funds, things, things at O'Hare Airport and the other airports. But so to have almost a billion dollars of that $8.9 billion would be a very serious deficit. But in fact, the corporate fund is at about $4 billion, and the deficit is really going to impact corporate fund expenditures, the basic services of city government. What it means is that the city doesn't have adequate reserves right now that it can make up for the fact that it has spending pressures to maintain the police, fire, pension funds, to basically meet the new contract demands that are um, taking place among the major government unions 
and it doesn't have money to continue and to fulfill Mayor Emanuel's promise to get rid of some of the worst financial practices, scoop and toss, borrowing for our operating expenses, or for borrowing for large settlements. Now, the city has been getting some good news lately. Uh, The tax revenues, especially from the uh, tax increment financing districts, uh, has been up. Uh, The Cook County clerk estimates it could be as much as $181 million more in additional cash. Uh, Is that very good news? And even if that money is real... It's it's still kind of like one-term revenue, isn't Yes. It? Really, Chicago has gotten into the, the practice and Mayor Emanuel established. Basically, every year they look to see in the tax increment financing districts, is there a surplus? They declare a surplus, and then they share to the impacted governments. The greatest beneficiary of that has been the Chicago Public Schools, which basically gets about 50% of all the property tax levy money, including in the TIFs, when they declare a surplus. Um. Cook County, under uh, Board President Tony Preckwinkle, who wanted to be mayor, uh, is preparing a budget that will probably contain no new taxes or major fee increases. Uh, We're not expecting that to be the case here in Chicago, are we? Well, Mayor Emanuel is, I'm I'm sorry, Mayor um, Lightfoot has announced that she's going to reveal to the citizens the financial condition of the city of Chicago on a week well, Friday, yeah. um, the Friday before Labor Day, she's going to address um, not just the city council, but it's going to be a prime, prime time announcement. It's expected that she's going to lay out both the size of the deficit and what her path forward is going to be. It's not expected that she's going to be able to close that billion-dollar deficit with only city resources. That would be an enormous um, accomplishment to either find a billion dollars worth of new revenue or to structurally change the way the city delivers services to close a billion dollar deficit. There needs to be both, quite frankly. The public needs to be convinced that the city is changing the way it operates. The city council, I think, will be um, under the gun to come up with their own ideas for how they're going to manage this deficit. There has been a tendency to look a lot on the revenue side and not so much on the expenditure side. We need to transform in order to close a billion-dollar deficit how the city delivers services and how it goes forward. Well, now, about that, the uh, spending side, um, what can the city do better with, in, with regards to that? Or have the budgets already? I mean, we keep hearing politicians say our budgets are already cut to the bone. Are they really? uh, Is there much else they can do? There is always, in the size of an organization, a $9 billion um, city budget, there is always room for efficiency. And really, it's a case of modernization, right? The city council has a tendency to do the same thing over and over again and think that they're going to get a different result. There are clearly inefficiencies among some of the city departments. The water department, for example, has been the subject of findings by both the inspector general and by various investigations that it has not basically been operating in the most efficient way. There are things that the city could do um, to, in a cooperative manner with the surrounding governments. When Mayor Emanuel first took office and President Preckwinkle was in office at the county board, they had a commission to look at what duplicative services could they um, reduce, how could they be more efficient. That needs to happen. The fire department, for example, has um, been operating under the same level of firemen 
in the same level of firehouses for decades. There has not been a real sufficient efficiency study as to whether we need all of that firepower. Do we, could we shift some of those resources over to things like police? Could we look at how we deliver ambulance services? Do we need to be sending fire trucks on ambulance calls and instead send ambulances on ambulance calls? There is definitely a room for modernization. Well, now, since you mentioned uh, the police and fire, uh, they and the teachers all have pretty much open contracts, which means we don't even know the spending numbers for them yet. Uh, how big a problem could that be? You, they, or do they just toss a number into the budget and hope they meet it? Well, one of the things that has to happen is that the mayor and her team have to be in a position with the facts to know what they can afford and what they cannot afford. They can't afford to just silo. We're only going to focus on salaries and make cost of living adjustments or other adjustments to salaries if you don't recognize that the pension benefits and the other benefits being paid to the employees put severe strain on the budget. The Both the Chicago police and fire pension funds are in danger of basically running out of money. They are in the neighborhood of less than 20% funded. That would be an alarm clock like no other in most other states and most other places. But because we have become socialized to the idea that our pension funds are in trouble, we don't have as much of a reaction. Mayor Emanuel went to Springfield on numerous occasions to try to bring more resources, to try to reform the pension benefits. He received mixed results. Mostly what he received was permission to raise property taxes, raise water fees, raise 911 fees to try to stabilize not just police and fire, but the municipal and laborers' pension funds. And I think we should probably quickly sketch out that uh, Chicago is different from a, a, a number of municipalities in terms of its pension system that Chicago pays its own pensions for the public service. Chicago is different in some ways in that it is the only city in Illinois that um, its municipal pension fund is separate from what's called the Illinois Municipal Retirement Fund. Its police and fire funds are similar to the rest of the state because Illinois has over 650 local police and fire pension funds. That is not best practice. That is not efficient. That's not modern. That's expensive. The Civic Federation has long urged and supported the effort to consolidate the city of Chicago's pension funds into the state's Illinois Municipal Retirement Fund. That would not only bring efficiency in the administration, but it would also allow better management of the funds. Chicago's had a very uneven history in the management of its local pension funds. There is a lot of um, evidence that they are not achieving the results of a more professionally managed state fund especially the Illinois Municipal Retirement Fund. But now is the state doing better in terms of its ability to manage? I mean, the state's having some pension problems, too. The state is having pension problems, and there's an often misperception that the the locals benefit from having their own pension funds. There's no evidence to show that the city of Chicago taxpayers benefit by having a pension fund separate from all the other um, municipalities in terms of having our municipal pension fund separate. They are all poorly funded. And they are poorly funded because the state statute dictates not just what the benefits are and who can um, participate in those funds, but in fact, how they are funded, what the source of funding is going to be or what it can be. We need to bring modernization to Illinois and to the city of Chicago. 
Wisconsin as an example, which has a very highly funded police and an, um, fire pension funds, only has one pension fund, not 650 for all the municipalities in the state of Wisconsin. That type of consolidation from an outsider looking in, from a best practices, from an efficiency, is the kind of thing Illinois and Chicago need to, to work toward. Mayor Lightfoot's biggest challenge regarding the pensions is she really can't do much except what Springfield says, what the statutes say. So, in fact, you can say we have a local pension fund, but all of the benefits, all of the funding schedules, all of the um, um, makeup of the funds are controlled by Illinois state statutes, which means it's the Illinois General Assembly and the governor who control the city's pension funds. What has kept... Illinois from moving in the direction that you're proposing here? Is it simply that with all these independent boards, those are individual uh, municipalities controlling how their money is invested? It has basically been uh, a an overall lethargicness on behalf of the state and our elected officials in modernizing. Illinois is an outlier, not just in the number of pension funds we have, but in the number of local governments. We have more than 6,978 local governments in Illinois, which is more than twice any other state. There is an inherent cost and inefficiency. Why do we have so many local governments? Because one where the state was basically being incorporated over 100 years ago, it made sense to deliver in a hyper-local manner those government services. Once you added the state income tax, once you added the state sales tax, and basically needed the state to modernize and basically be more efficient, those justifications no longer existed. Hmm. Um, do you see any uh, any sentiment in Springfield for a move to more toward more consolidation? I mean, we're seeing some of it in the government, uh, you know, the units of government. That's happening in some suburbs and not happening in some areas. I think this, the, the recognition by public officials as to the crisis. So most people in Illinois recognize that we have been in a severe financial crisis. Most people see the fact that the state, even with um, new revenue potentially from marijuana and from gambling and the potential for additional tax increases, are not necessarily seeing the path for how Illinois is going to afford the demands for the priorities of the public education, public safety. So there's more of a recognition by some public officials. There hasn't been a clear path to make consolidation of local governments a more of a reality. If you look in particularly in the suburbs around Chicago, they're suffering from the same challenges that the city of Chicago is with their pension fund. Places in the south, especially in the southeast suburbs of Cook County, are paying some of the highest property taxes and property tax rates in Illinois and are not able to provide their property tax owners services at the level they used to. There has to be more modernization. There has to be consolidation. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Lawrence Massal, president of the Civic Federation. And we're talking budget, and we've been mostly talking about spending there. Here's where I want to start talking a little bit about revenue, or a lot about revenue. Um, I mean, for one thing, city officials are loath to raise the Chicago uh, property taxes again, especially after uh, Mayor Manuel did it to the tune of some $750 million when you put all the different you know schools together with the, the city. But the property tax 
in some it's it's a last resort, but it kind of has to be there, doesn't it? It's, isn't it the biggest ticket thing that you can do? It is property taxes. The way the state of Illinois is organized, the way the state statutes exist for communities like Chicago, property tax and sales tax are the two areas for a home rule unit of government that the locals have direct control over. The state has allowed the local municipality to dictate what the rates are for property tax and for sales tax. The problem is, in the case of sales tax, because of the combined governments, Cook County government, the RTA, CTA, McCormick Place, there is a compounding impact where we, in effect, have the highest sales tax of any major municipality in the United States. So there's not much room on sales tax without really Chicago becoming an outlier. Another problem for municipalities and for governments around the state is how people purchase things has changed dramatically because of Amazon and other online sales providers so that the amount of local sales tax revenue is flat or declining and not expected to grow. There's been some recent changes to allow the state to collect some of those um, uh, um, remote sellers' sales tax receipts, but it's not enough to keep the inefficient and overabundance of local governments fed that we have right now. Are the attempts to uh, recoup the money that's being spent online, are they efficient enough? I mean, are, are they able to get uh, all of the money, at least that, they, that they're going after? They may not be going after some of it. They're going after that which the, the, the current federal law allows, and that is basically to where, the, um, where the goods are delivered or where they're delivered from more directly. But people's patterns have, have changed. So whereas in the past people would go down to Main Street, purchase something at Main Street, there was an immediate nexus and connection to where that sales took place. And in fact, the person that w- and the merchant that was operating there could say they were getting a benefit from the locals, whether it was their roads or bridges or their police presence or just their basic zoning and other things. If you're purchasing something that the only contact you have with the merchant is that where they deliver it to, it's hard to see that the locals have a benefit that should be um, subject to that tax or that they should share in those receipts. That's still something being worked out. Far greater concern on the property tax is what's going on economically in the state and in the region. We have seen some areas of the city which continue to have a robust um, increase in the value of people's residents, a lot of new properties in the downtown and along the river, the Fulton Market area. But outside of that central area, and especially out into the neighborhoods, we have seen a real flattening of the housing values. We have not seen a full recovery since 2007 and 2008. And now to ask people again to pay significant new property taxes when they're maybe perceiving that the value of their home has declined and not recovered, it's a very hard sell. In the elected officials, the city council members know that. The one part of the property tax that it sounds like Mayor Lightfoot, and again, we're the, her address is later this week, uh, and I believe on Thursday uh, uh, evening, has been on high-end properties. Uh, and it's, this is a, something that came up during the, uh, the campaign, that she wants to raise the tax on or the real estate transfer tax on the sale of really expensive homes and and the like, um, is that a big is that a big buck for the bang that it would be? Well, I think you have to put it in the context of 
one, you're going to basically be sending a signal to people that high-end owners of property are going to pay a higher um, transfer. We already pay a transfer tax regardless of the size of the property. To just go to the higher end assumes that there is a robust market for those higher end properties. If we in fact see what has happened in the suburbs, that the higher end properties have flattened, that the market for high end properties in some of the outlying suburbs is very poor, then I think that raises question how much revenue you will get. What is basically needed is a comprehensive plan from Mayor Lightfoot to be able to tell people in Chicago how we are going to afford her vision and her government and who is going to pay for it. It will not be an easy task. The billion dollar shortfall is very significant. It will not be enough to just try to tax people at the higher ends or people who are selling higher end property. There will need to be very significant structural change in how the city delivers services and there will probably be new revenue. But most likely, even the high end um, real estate transfer tax that has been proposed would require action from Springfield. Anything besides just raising the rates of the property tax or the sales tax will require action in Springfield, whether that is a graduated um, real estate transfer tax, whether it is taxing services, whether it is something adjusted for high-end law firms or accounting firms that have been floated, that would have to come from, authority would have to come from Springfield. And that presents its own uh, challenges. And uh, I know you don't get into politics, but you do have to get into political realities. A lot of times lawmakers, especially those who aren't from Chicago, uh, feel that any action they take is a Chicago bailout. That's the favorite phrase among lawmakers in Springfield uh, who aren't from the city. Uh, And how do you overcome or how does the city overcome that kind of built-in resistance to doing something that only affects Chicago. Right. And it's almost always when you have to go to Springfield, you have to find some way of engaging the downstate community, the people outside the city, whether they be in the suburbs or even farther away. That is a challenge for every mayor. That's going to be a challenge for Mayor Lightfoot. When we look at what was done with casinos and the questions that exist about the Chicago casino and whether the tax structure would allow for a competitor a competitive um, operator to come in, it raises questions that there probably needs to be changes in the tax structure for that casino. But even that was basically subject to enormous amount of give and take and negotiations where many different people received something related to how many new casinos would be established, what the rate structure would be, what the number of gambling stations would be. And then there was the added benefit of sports gambling, which was a relatively new um, market that people wanted to have a piece of. What's missing is how does this impact the value of Chicago having a casino? Will a casino bring the revenue that people have stated but not really shown their homework as to what it would produce? What does marijuana produce in terms of municipal benefit? Many people look back to 10 years ago when video Um, Gambling was established in the state of Illinois in our concern that the projections that the General Assembly was told and what they relied on for their capital program at that time never really came to fruition. And the state actually ended up having to back up a lot of their bonds, a lot of their borrowing with general revenue funds because gambling is inherently an unreliable source of revenue for a government. 
And that's, it's also, as, as you point out, when you have to go in and take a bill that finally passed, and how many times have we seen the state take a run at expanding gaming and fall short because somebody pulled a card out of the house of cards and the whole thing collapsed. Now we have Mayor Lightfoot saying that the tax burden, and there's a special tax for Chicago, a, a privilege tax, uh, that makes it untenable. Um, you have the South Suburbs saying, wait a minute, we're being cut out, and some they're, they're worried about whether uh, racetracks might come into their area and be competition, and now there's going to be that kind of... Uh, it's it's unreliable even from the from from the from the gate. It's both unreliable and and really indefensible how Illinois has come to this massive gambling expansion without ever telling the citizens or the legislators or the public really what are the facts? What motivated such a high level of taxation? What was the thinking? Not just we might be able to grab money, but how does this whole thing fit together? The idea that we're going to bring gambling to Midway Airport and Hare Airport, which are included in the bill, that we're going to build another racetrack in the south suburbs and how that relates to the value of a casino that is promised for the south suburbs. These are a lot of moving parts, a lot of impact without a lot of publicly available information as to who made these decisions, how did the rates get set, what was the overall thinking for what is in the best interest of the citizens of Chicago and the state overall for this level of gambling um, what would be a reliable, if, if assuming that the city needs to find revenue or some kind of uh, relief from somewhere, what would be a more reliable thing to pursue? Well, the most reliable are your general taxes and basically the, um, uh, the lowest rate possible across the broadest base. So the fact that Mayor Lightfoot has been talking about looking at the sales tax and expansion, expanding it to services. It was something that Mayor Emanuel talked about. It was something that former Governor Rauner talked about during his campaign. We need to look at really what is behind the state's tax structure. Illinois is an outlier, not just in the fact that it is financially very volatile and does, hasn't really balanced its budget over the last several years structurally, but you look at things like the retirement income. The state has the most generous exemption from retirement income of any state with an income tax, and yet we're not getting the benefit of people staying in the state of Illinois and the state of Chicago. We have a population drain going on. We need to look not like not that Chicago in the state of Illinois is unique, but we're subject to the same economic realities as the rest of the country. We need to make sure we don't overtax, we don't frighten people out of Chicago. Right now, it is still an attractive place for businesses and people to come, but we have a problem in our neighborhoods, especially in retaining people on the south and west side. Well, we've only got about a minute left, but if you even mention the word retirement income, and it sounds, and if people think somebody may be talking about taxing it, you've probably already panicked some lawmakers. Uh, we, we panic lawmakers whenever we try to deal with the facts of where we are financially even though retirement income has basically been lauded as something that's kept people in the state of Illinois and kept retirees here, there has not been evidence to that effect. We need to recognize that Illinois' problems and the city of Chicago's problems are intertwined. 
we're going to need sacrifice by everybody if we're going to effectively solve them. Um, are you hopeful that we are going to get through this? And this is about I, 30 I, seconds left. I am hopeful. I think Mayor, Mayor Lightfoot is well-intended and has some good ideas about moving the city forward. The, what, what we hear from um, Governor Pritzker is that he wants to be helpful. He wants to put it in the state structure. I think there's opportunity to do more than we've done so far to recognize not just, and it's not just a bailout for the city of Chicago that we're looking for. It's an overall plan that stabilizes the communities around the state that face the same pension crisis um, that Chicago does, that face the same financial pressures on property taxes and other things that Chicago and the state of Illinois do. Thank you. That's the final word. Thank you to Civic Federation President Lawrence Massal for spending the half hour with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.